Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us dream of one day having a family of our own, but for some prospective parents, giving birth to their own biological child just isn't a possibility. Every day, surrogate mothers are helping these families turn their dreams into reality. So, what does it take to become a surrogate mom, and is it right for you? I'm Cora Jensen with Modern Family Surrogacy Center here in San Diego, California, and this is Preggy Pals, episode 21. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to exercise? What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? <laughs> Gotta make these pants fit! I've got kinkles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. So if you're a busy, soon-to-be parent who's always on the go, I have some great news for you. Preggy Pals now has a free app available on both Android and Apple products. So now you can listen to your most recent episodes anytime, anyplace. And we know you have a ton of questions throughout your pregnancy, and of course, we're here to help. Preggy Pals has a team of experts, all with different areas of expertise relating to pregnancy and parenting. So if you do have a question, simply send us an email through our website or call our Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll include your question and the answer in an upcoming episode. Let's meet the ladies here in the studio. You guys are all wearing blue. I love it. Okay, let's start with you, Stephanie. Hi, I'm Stephanie Saufeld. I'm 29. I'm a gemologist due January 9th with my first baby, um, and it's a girl, and we Yay! are having because we didn't Yay! know that last time. We you were didn't, on the show. yeah. So we found out it's a girl, and um, we are having a hospital birth. And I'm Jackie Kleber. I am 25. I am 28 weeks pregnant with this surrogate baby girl, and I have one child. He's three, and I'm going for an unmedicated hospital birth. All right. Thanks for joining us, ladies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here's an interesting headline that is making news around the internet. And the headline is, Grandmother Gives Birth to Own a Grandson. And if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. Okay, so here's the deal. 25-year-old Angel Hebert learned that she had a heart condition, which makes it unsafe for her to get pregnant. And her husband, Brian, of course, they were very disappointed, upset about this. But the alternative was not far away. So Angel's mother, who is 49 years old, her name is Linda, um, of course, she was upset that her daughter couldn't get pregnant, and she volunteered to be a surrogate 
for um, her her daughter. And her mother actually was already a mother of four, including twins. So this obviously was not her first rodeo. She has a lot of parenting experience. Um, so I want to get your guys' feedback on this. Um, obviously, it's a very relevant topic because we're talking about surrogacy today. Uh, Stephanie, let's start with you. First of all, would this be something that you think you might do if you indeed couldn't have a baby on your own? You mean like ask my mom? Yeah, or, or, or just, the, yeah, just the concept of it. I mean, how, how does this sit with you? Um, well, definitely, it's definitely an attention-grabbing headline. <laughs> At first, I was like, huh, I'm not really sure about that. So is the baby his own uncle? Is that how that works? Yeah, how or? would you classify that, yeah. really? How does the family tree look at yeah. that point? Um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, if I... If I couldn't have my own, you know, and a friend of a friend of mine and I had actually had this conversation many years ago, and we said, "Okay, well, if you can't, then I will for you, and vice versa." And, yeah, you know. So yeah, I don't know about my mom. I don't know <laughs> if I. I don't know if she would be right all for that. Right. But, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I would definitely investigate other options. Jackie, I think I know how you feel about it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get your opinion on this, Miss Surrogate. I think it's awesome. Um, there's actually another lady who just, I don't know what her name is, but she was 60 and she just recently, well, no, the grandson is 18 months old, so a year and a half. Okay. And they were on The View earlier this week because they're just like promoting their new book or whatever. So, so this is a like, trend? Wow. This is trending nationwide? <laughs> Have your have your babies or have your daughter's baby? I guess so. I don't know. And then my husband walked in during the the segment on the View, yeah. and he was like, "Really? They can do that?" I was like, "Yeah, they, you know, because I had to take hormones and stuff. So yeah. the grandma had to take hormones and stuff." And he's like, "I wonder if your mom would do it." And I was like, "I don't know, but I definitely would never ask her." <laughs> like, well, why would not you that ask I wouldn't her? want to? It's just I wouldn't expect her to. Do it. Do you, would it be weird for you though? Because you're in a different type of surrogacy situation. So, but but if you were the person who couldn't have a baby, would you ask your mom? I don't know. Probably not because I have so many other options. Yeah, like yeah. a sister and a sister-in-law. Yeah. So not that I would of, ask them. It is kind of weird a little yeah. bit, isn't it? And Cora, I definitely want your opinion on this too, being our expert on surrogacy today. Well, my first thought was, as a mother what you wouldn't do for your child. Of course. Right? Like both of these cases, did they ask or did the mom come forward and say, you know, I want to see you have children. So, you know, my mind directly went to the... Right. Yeah, the mom came forward. See? So instinctively as a parent, you want to give that to them so badly that they offered and those daughters clearly took the mom up on it <laughs> instead like, of asking. Oh my God, they took me up on my offer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I gotta go forward. They're like, oh no. <laughs> See, I would worry about like my mom's health and, and stuff like that. Yeah, because she's in, in this Being article, older. 49 years right. old. I and mean, my mom's usually, older than that, so. Yeah, and, and usually, you know, doctors don't recommend that women have pregnancies beyond, you know, a certain age. And I know that's advanced maternal age is being 49. They do have so. to go through a lot of physical testing yeah. and screening and right. stuff. Right. No, I'm sure. Yeah, I was I thinking that, just like we do. That it was amazing that they were at, you know, 49 and 60 yeah. were medically approved totally and healthy crazy. enough to do that. Um Cora, have you ever had someone come to the surrogacy center that has been advanced maternal age like that and want to become a surrogate? First, I mean, obviously she wasn't a first-time mom, but whether it's first time or they've already had four or five, do you have women that old? We have women that are over the cutoff age all of the time okay. wanting to be a surrogate. And, you know, we have to tell them that just medically, um, that it's 
there's not a parent that would choose them or an IVF doctor that would approve them when there's other young, healthy sure. women that can do it. So there is a cutoff age. Yeah. If yeah. you're over 40, typically, they don't want you to be a surrogate mother. Yeah. Unless you've had a baby within the last one or two years and you're in excellent health with no complications, they yeah. will consider you. But otherwise, they just say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry you're over the mm-hmm. yeah the preferred age. Yeah. It's probably different in their specific case because they're family and they wanted to keep it in the family. Yeah. And, I and the doctors were probably that. like, well, we can try. Let's see. Let's see what you look like. Da-da. I wonder if they were met with resistance, though, even from the doctors. Let's see how many cobwebs sure. you have in your uterus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? I've heard that joke before. <laughs> uh, the mom here in the article says uh, she just saw it as if she was babysitting for a few months. It was their child all along and she was just room for rent. That's, you know? what I, that's what I've heard other surrogates say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is that how you feel, being a surrogate, that you're kind of room for rent so other people can have the family they want to have? Kind of not really so much like room for, it's womb out, for rent. Yeah. But the babysitting for like sure. That. Babysitting, yeah. Womb. Womb for rent. It's womb, like, yeah. Cool. It's like the cool <laughs> aunt from across the pond. Like, that's... <laughs> I, have to, I have to be honest, though. I... um. You know, if, if this were my only option, I probably would ask my mom. But... Um, I feel a little weird. I know, you know, everything happens clinically as far as the insertion of the semen and everything, but I don't want to think about my husband's sperm being inside my mom. I don't care how no, it's it already got an there. embryo. It's already an embryo. So, so it's they, already... they insert. Okay, yeah. so it's formed outside and then it's yeah. inserted. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me feel any So your mom would be like... your oven <laughs> for your She's baby. She's cooking it. She's baking she, your baby. She's been cooking me stuff my whole life. Why, why not a baby? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today we're learning about what it takes to become a surrogate mom. And joining us here in the studio is Cora Jensen. She's the Director of Client Services at Modern Family Surrogacy Center. Cora, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited to learn all about surrogacy. So let's dive into this. What are some of the main reasons women choose to become surrogate mothers? Well, some women say that they feel drawn to this process and helping people, something they can't explain. Uh, when they're, they love pregnancy and they hear about it from someone who either has gone through it or it's in the media. Um, a lot of women say they start Googling and researching it. They know that they can help their family financially while helping someone else have a baby. Um, the reasons that people do it are completely varied. I mean, some people are more in it to help someone while financially helping themselves. Other people are doing it more for just that feeling of, you know, doing that one, you know, biggest something they can think of doing. So everyone's reason, you know, pretty varies. Yeah. And Jackie, what was your reason for wanting to become a surrogate? Uh, I think the first thing that she said really described me was I was just kind of drawn to it. And then it was like, oh, you get paid for it? <laughs> right, right. Where you hear Bonus. about it, you're like, what is that? And you you just kind of think that's so fascinating and what a miraculous thing. That's what it was for me as well. Yeah. And I had only had one baby at that point, and I met a surrogate mother. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? And I was fascinated. So I started Googling, and 
it wasn't until after I had my second son that I was actually a surrogate mother. Okay. And I just wanted my one amazing experience and to know what that felt like. And when people describe it, she was like, it was just the most amazing thing ever. And I was just like, I want to know what that feels like. So that's what, and then like Jackie said, like you get paid to do it. And (laughs) while doing your normal life was just a bonus. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have this feeling that this is something you really want to do. What did, what did you guys do um, after you had this feeling? Did you contact someone like a, a center right away? You're pointing to Cora, so you contact. So you did <laughs> yeah. you know Cora, about Cora and Cora services and everything? No, like and this is going to sound totally funny. I found him on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for not women even as kidding. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that I was like looking for it, but it just like came up, and I was like, "Oh, right, I wanted to do this because it was th- by that point it was like in the total back of my brain." Yeah, not even thinking about it, and then it was like, "Oh, maybe I should look into it." Like, because we're in the perfect spot in California. Yeah. I know we're going to be here for at least two years. Uh-huh. So, why I found are we them. in the perfect spot in California? Why is this more because of the laws? It's a lot easier for um, like you don't have to adopt your own baby. In California, oh, you the parent's name goes on the birth certificate. I oh, mean, there's legal documents that you have to sign and everything. Okay. In fact, I just sent mine off last week. Like, hey, she's not mine. Here yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Cora, what did you do? Were you already involved with the with the center when you decided to have your your surrogate baby, or how, how did that? Work? No, I actually. It was two years later that I was a surrogate. I had my second son. Okay. And then right after I had him, like, it was in the back of my mind, and I had done a bunch of research, and I actually spoke to several agencies, weighed the pros and cons of each one. And so I had done a lot of research at that point. So once I had my second baby, and I said, I had kind of said to my husband a couple times, like, throughout that you know, time frame, and he was like, mm-hmm, sure, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then after I had my second baby, I said, you know, I'm really going to do this. And he was kind of like, you, you really are going to do it? So then he was paying attention, like, what, what, okay, now what is it? And right. tell me about it. Yeah. So then he paid attention. And just something that whole time I knew that I wanted to do. Why would you say it's important to contact an agency or a center as opposed to just kind of handling this on your own, like with a friend or something like that? Right. Well, even if you did it with a friend or a you know family member or whatever, you would still need someone to coordinate everything for you. You have to have an attorney to do the legal contract, so everything is spelled out. Okay. What the compensations are, what the behavior expectations are, you know, um, contact during the process, after the process, everything is spelled out. So there's no misunderstandings, hurt feelings, because it's a long emotional process. Mm-hmm. And then the agency will act- will find an escrow company for you that holds the funds that are paid to the surrogate in a neutral place so that the parent's not paying the surrogate directly. If you didn't go through an agency, how would that be set up? If, you know, then the parents are paying you and you're mm-hmm. asking for things and what if they disagree? Right. Who's going to say, yes, you get the money or not? If you don't have an attorney, the money in a neutral place with someone approving what's paid to you, then it can go bad real fast. So I'm just thinking about worst case scenario and that would be, you know, someone's listening to this and thinking, wow, I have to get an attorney. I got to do all this stuff. This is this is a lot of work. Why can't we just, you know, kind of handle this on our own? And I have a baby and I literally hand it to you and that's done. You know, does that happen? I'm assuming it does. You know, it does. It does. But there aren't very many wonderful and happy right. endings with people, with people that doing trying to do it all on sure. their own without. Sure. It's actually very simple. The attorney does their piece. The, 
the clinic does their piece and the agency pulls you all together. Okay. So the agency makes it easy for you. Help schedule your appointment, help you with the medications that you have to take. They kind of just let you slow down, take a deep breath, and let the surrogate and the parents have a good relationship and fun through the process while the agency's coordinating all those tricky things. Who's paying what, you know, doing all the the logistical stuff, who's got to be at this clinic, which doctor, which attorney, you know, so they just kind of help you. And agencies will pick who's in the industry, who's good at what they do, who's going to make it so that their clients have a smooth process. Okay. Okay. Takes all the stress out of it. Yeah. Which is really nice as a surrogate yeah. because you don't well, the have to worry about Well, the minute you start talking money with the couple that you're having a baby for, instant mm-hmm. stress. Yeah. It's, it's well, let's really talk about money here for a second. Sure. So a lot of people, I would think that is a benefit to them. They they do think at least maybe it's not the driving force that they do this, but it is a factor. But they're not know? doing it for free. Right. That's what I always say. Exactly. Like, you are, you know, you're definitely compensating a surrogate mother. And so one of the requirements is that a surrogate is financially stable. Like you you can't be a woman who isn't working and has no source of income because then the parents worry and you know and as an agency you don't want to see someone who needs money and right. is you know the people kind of act, you know, they're nervous and stressed yeah. out financially and you know stress can keep you from getting pregnant. So right. that's a big thing. Right. And then, you know, potentially people act a little different when they're needing money and in a desperate situation. Right. So right. um then it, the structure for payment is already outlined. So the parents know exactly what they're going to be paying the surrogate mother and what for. And the surrogate knows up front exactly what she's going to be compensated. Now, what is that price dependent on? Well, every agency has their own set of first-time surrogate mother fees. Okay. So if you're looking into agencies, you just contact them. A lot of times it's on their website. If it's not, they'll send it to you and ask them to walk you through how much their first-time surrogates get paid and it'll be outlined it'll be their compensation for carrying one baby there's an extra compensation if you're carrying a twin baby you get money for maternity clothing because you're going to need clothing you get a monthly allowance for like parking at appointments and childcare if you need it vitamins so you just get that cash so that you don't have to be keeping track of every you know small amount and so what is the ballpark price i guess for if you're just having a singleton a singleton, your compensation overall would be about thirty to thirty-five thousand. Okay, so let's talk about what else the center does to support the surrogate. So obviously there, there's compensation, but what other you know is there emotional support? I mean, obviously this is a a, a big oh, staff sure, that somebody's sure. making. So so how can the center help with that? We provide a lot of emotional support. We have a support coordinator who will go to appointments if girls need it. We like to have her go to the medical screening appointment, which is the first visit with the doctor and they do an evaluation of your uterus and they draw blood. So we have her go along. So they explain the process and they're, you know, calm and they do your blood pressure. They just make sure overall you're healthy and that your, you know, uterus looks healthy to carry a baby. So she would go to that appointment with them. And she's been through it before too. Yes. We've all been surrogate mothers ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we help with anything from how do I do the injection to have it be less painful? Which or, is huge. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> crying today for no reason. Is that normal? Sometimes it's, you know, like you're having a baby and you're hormonal and we're there to kind of help. We know what it feels like if you, I mean, girls need support for things like um, 
there, you know, how much contact is a good amount with the parents. Mm -hmm. Some want more. So it's little things like that. Like, you know, I didn't get an email from them this week. And, you know, we find out they traveled and didn't have internet and we can help communicate with the surrogate mother or, you know, this parent might want to call them every day and we help remind them gently that (laughs) we're working moms and you know they have their own children while they're pregnant with your baby and we politely explain those types of things so we're kind of the buffer and we also have support group meetings once a month we have healthy topics the importance of water nutrition Um, we sometimes talk about the contract and you know reminding about how much contact and we the girls kind of talk to each other you know with 30 girls in a room Mm -hmm. laughing and talking about everything pregnancy um it's really fun and that way it engages them in the surrogacy process they don't feel alone they can you know they're everyone knows how they feel so we once a month get to see them in person and talk to them and then we just always are talking to them various times throughout the month anyway Okay. And now how do you match surrogate mothers with potential parents? How does that process work? That's a really good question. We have them, every surrogate mother fills out an application when they come and meet with us. Mm -hmm. And it just asks, you know, why are you doing this? Um, Just about your family, your relationship, whether they're single or married um, or dating. Mm -hmm. And we just get a feel for them. What are they looking for in the process? Do they want a lot of contact or are they someone that's very busy and they just really don't want to be you know, bother too much because right. sometimes people, you know, really aren't looking for to come out of the process that close with someone. And that goes for the parents too. So they fill out a profile as well. We know what they're looking for. Do they want to be at a lot of appointments with the surrogate mother or are they international and they can't make it to everything? So we kind of, it's more, it's a lot about a personal match too. So it's not just you want to have a baby, you want to carry for someone, great. We don't match them like next in line type of thing. Okay. It's it's really important to make sure that emotionally you're matching them with the right person too. Because totally then someone's like not ups- It is like dating. It's like, <laughs> totally <laughs> like, we could do like speed dating. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, and I always tell them that too when everyone's nervous for that first phone call or whatever. And I always joke. Oh like, my God. I'm I always so say that. Nervous. It's kind of like dating and you're meeting someone for the first time. It's a blind date. But you have to have like that instinctive gut feeling kind of like when you meet someone like that. Yeah. You just, you feel either so right about it. And then if their expectations are the same, then it's a really good match. Otherwise, someone's calling every day and the other person doesn't want to talk to them. Yeah. You know, where yeah. you kind of, you know, that's where we come in and, you know, we've been doing this for a while. So it, you know, it helps to have the right match. Yeah. Jackie, I would love to hear about your experience of being matched <laughs> oh my gosh, and what that process totally was like. totally like dating. So <laughs> <laughs> I was actually really surprised at how nervous I was because Cora matched me with, um, an intended parent couple and I spoke to only one of them speaks English because they live in Spain. So I spoke to the one that, um, obviously only speaks or he speaks English. And, uh, I talked to him on the phone first and then it was like, Oh, okay. And then you both have to, you know, after the phone conversation, you both have to like separate and be like, okay, did I like him? Uh Do I think I can do this with this specific person? Like, can I see myself doing this? And then like, yeah, okay. I think we should meet face to face. I mean, luckily, I had that chance because he was coming over to the United States. Okay. Or, no, but I think you don't always have that opportunity, States. Cora, he to was, meet face-to-face? Do you always have that opportunity to meet face-to-face prior to You don't always. Okay. You don't always. They try, though, if okay. they can be here to meet in person, but they always have to at least talk on the phone or do okay. a Skype. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So then we drove up to L.A. Uh, I think it was like a week later or something. 
I was so nervous, like on the drive up there. <laughs> oh so my cute. gosh! <laughs> what were you? We nervous were talking about, about it. It's just like. I'm going to be carrying your kid. Hi. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like walking up to someone and saying, hi, I'm naked. How are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. It, oh, man. Or then you look yes. down and you're like, oh, my God, I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You And really, though, you, you emotionally, you are very naked and yeah. vulnerable because it's such a... It's an such, intimate you know, process. It is. Yeah. It totally is. You're not just buying a house or buying a car. And those are two huge things yeah. in your life. You know, and you're, oh, it totally is. But then it's I totally have to like say dating. about Jackie's meeting. So we go to LA <laughs> and they, I think you went to the coffee shop next yeah, door. Okay. So then we kept checking. Usually, I don't know, like 30 minutes later or so, we checked to see how they were doing and thinking they'd be done. And no, no, they kind of just, just checked like, away. Shrugged us off. <laughs> I don't even know if it was like two hours later. We were like, okay, we'll just wait till they come back. It they was were like, so okay, cute. really, we have to Chatting leave now. For, <laughs> looking at pictures on each other's phone, sharing about the family. Right. Very sweet to watch. Yeah. And that's how it is when it's right. You just right. feel so connected. You can't explain it. You just know it's right. When you can't stop talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know it's a good match. Right. Right. Okay. So then you, you're matched with, um, what do you, what do you call it? An intended parent? Intended parent. An intended parent. And then what happens from there? Like what, what's the next step, Cora? Well, from there, they both confirm that they want to match and work with each other. Then our case manager sends what we call a referral to the clinic, to the attorney, to the psychologist. So then the surrogate mother goes through a series of screening. First step is the criminal background check. Once we get that, that takes a couple of days. Then we know that's clear. She goes on to the next step. She meets with a psychologist. They do a little, she just explains the the process. And the husband, yes. Or even like a live-in partner, someone with her, committed with her, then they go through the process too. So they, you know, she just explains the process and really analyzes if they're ready and emotionally get what's going on and what they need to do. So then they're cleared with the psychologist. Then they go meet the IVF physician that the couple has chosen to work with. And then he does, like we were talking about earlier, does the exam, the ultrasound for uterus. They do, you know, blood and urine sample. And that's really the last step. Once she's medically cleared and the attorney that during that time is drafting a, the legal contract that has the parameters and all the guidelines that everyone's going to follow. So parents review the contract, surrogate reviews the contract, they all agree to the terms, they sign it, then the surrogate mother goes into what we call into cycle, where she starts the medications to get her body ready for the embryo transfer. Let's talk about the contract for a second, because that could be a, a pretty big process, just depending on how picky everyone yeah, is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Some intended parents are very picky. Yeah, like, they well, can be. It's a huge deal. It is a huge deal. So what are some of the things that are in the contract, generally speaking? That, I mean, what do, you, what do you have to say in a contract to, to make sure that both parties are satisfied? What are some of the topics that are brought up? Well, some of the topics are behavior, like nutrition, that she okay. follow, the OB's the OB doctor's recommendation for diet. So, you know, limiting caffeine, no alcohol, no drug use. I mean, the generic things that you're going to keep your body healthy, mm-hmm. that you're not exposed to chemicals or toxins. Um, so it gets pretty specific in those areas, which are very important. Okay. Yeah. And then what about just, you oh, know. Oh, travel. If okay. You're restricted mm-hmm. to travel out of the United States during the entire pregnancy. Okay. And then also after 24 weeks, they don't want you traveling over 100 miles from your delivery hospital. Okay. And that's with good reason because if you go to another state where surrogacy isn't um, 
you know, legally allowed. Like Arizona? Yeah. It's not allowed in Arizona? No. So say a surrogate mother goes on vacation to Phoenix and spends the weekend, goes into premature labor, goes into the hospital, they keep her to delivery, then the parents have to fly in and adopt their baby from the surrogate mother. So we need to keep them in California at the end of the pregnancy, close to their hospital, so if something goes wrong, they're in a safe place, familiar, and the law is on their side. Is there such a thing as a closed surrogacy? Like you have closed adoptions. If you didn't want, if you just thought mentally, I just can't handle that. Is there the option to be able to still give someone a baby, you know, be a surrogate for someone, but not have that emotional tie to them? I've heard of that, but I don't know of any agencies who handle them and we don't handle them. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we know what it takes to be accepted as a surrogate mom, but what happens once the surrogate becomes pregnant? We'll find out the answer to that question when we come back. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. All right. Welcome back. We are talking about how to become a surrogate mother. And Cora Jensen from Modern Family Surrogacy Center is our special expert joining us here in the studio. So um, we, we talked in the first half about what it takes to become a surrogate mom and who is best um, in becoming a surrogate mom, you know, what type of person you need to be in order to do that. So let's assume that you've been accepted into the program and you find your match. And now it is time to – I just sound like speed dating or something, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> now <really> is, no. <laughs> Now it's time to become pregnant. And I don't know if I'm, I'm saying that right. But how is a surrogate impregnated? What is that process? Jackie, I'm going to toss it over to In you. In vitro you fertilization. It. Okay. When I was on a previous episode and I was... I think talking too much in surrogate speak. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, transfer this and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, wait a what minute, that? what does that mean? <laughs> right. So we do, if you're a gestational surrogate, which means you do not use your egg or your husband's sperm or any of that, it's okay. totally the intended parents, then you do in vitro fertilization. Okay. Now, if you're a traditional surrogate, that means you use your egg and then whoever's sperm. Okay. So I believe some do IUI. Is that right, Cora? Yeah, it's very rare because the chances of getting pregnant are a little less. And that's yeah. where they just track your ovulation. Okay. And then they put the sperm in your uterus when you're ovulating. I see. But if you're a traditional surrogate and they want to, you know, have higher statistics, you know, the statistics. Success rate. Yes, mm-hmm. success yeah. rate. Then they will use your eggs with the father's sperm to create the embryos, and then they will implant them in your uterus. Okay. With the IVF, what they do is they use the medications to get your body ready, so it kind of tricks your uterus into believing that you're pregnant, and then they put the embryos into the surrogate's uterus. So you keep taking the medications until around 12 weeks pregnant. So the embryo will implant in the wall of the uterus, and then your body has been believing with those medications that it's pregnant. So once at about somewhere between 10 to 12 weeks pregnant, your body will take over with the pregnancy, creating enough of the hormone on its own. You get to stop taking those supplement, the hormones. Then the pregnancy the rest of the way is like a normal pregnancy. How do you take the hormones? Is this a pill? Is it a shot? What's the deal? It depends upon the IVF doctor. Mostly shots. From what I've heard. Yeah. 
Were you okay with that? <laughs> I can imagine giving my... I had to do infertility treatment stuff and... It's not fun. Yeah. And it's not easy. But it's so worth it. Yes. <laughs> so oh, for yeah. such a good I'm not sure, even... Sure. Yeah. Well, I have like... Not needle phobia, <laughs> but I was really afraid of needles when I was younger. But now, like after being poked and prodded so many times, if someone yeah. else pokes me with a needle, I'm like, okay, I just can't look. And then I'm totally fine. Right. Like I'm a right. big girl. Let's right. let's just breathe through it and not look. <laughs> But it's a totally different world when you're sticking yourself with that needle, especially when you're seeing, like, how big the needle is. I like, didn't do it myself. Oh, my. husband my. did all of the injections for me. That's nice so, of him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know my, my husband I'm not, <laughs> you know, those women that can do their own injections, like, oh, it's wow. nothing. It's no big deal. They're so brave. Kudos to them. I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, my husband was gone. But Jackie rocks. <laughs> I, still, I still wasn't one of those women that was like, oh, it's no big deal. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, how... How do I do this? Like, yeah. and it was just totally a mental thing for me more right. than anything. Yeah. So, so, so mentally, Jackie, how are you feeling about everything? How many weeks pregnant are you? 28. You're 28 weeks pregnant. Third you've, trimester. you've been pregnant before. You've had a, a baby before. That's a prerequisite, it is, right? Yes. You have to have yes. a baby of your own before. Yes. Before you have a surrogate. Okay. So how does this pregnancy compare? Like, what do you, what do you, what is going on inside that head of yours, Jackie? <laughs> in some aspects, it's totally the same, but in most, it's totally different. <laughs> Because like Cora said, with all the medications, your body thinks it's pregnant before you already are. Okay. So the weight gain, like, oh my goodness. And then my hips were like, oh, I remember this. And so, <laughs> <laughs> like, I swear before I even got pregnant, my hips were like, okay, boom, here's like three inches wider for you just to get things going. Yes. I was like, thanks. Well, and it's also, you've already had a baby, so your your body's probably even remembering what it was like the first time. Oh, it totally yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it's totally different in the aspect of you're not naturally getting pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. like you have to do all these medications and emotionally, how does that work with all these extra hormones in your body? Right. Like some women are totally normal and fine, but some, you know, if they're on a higher dose of hormones, they like think that imagine your period going times totally 10. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It really so talk is. about PMS, right? You're going through oh, my goodness. But like, some have no issues. They don't gain any that amazing. You know, Lucky. not even five pounds well, from the honestly, medication. Honestly, that's what like regular pregnancy is if like, it's right? Super easy for yeah. you. It, right. In you know, for your own children, odds are as a surrogate you would it would be super easy too. Yeah. Okay, so Cora, what recommendations or, or what advice do you have for women out there that are listening to this show going, Hey, I might be able to do this? What would you say to them? Um, I would just say take your time to do your research. And when you are contacting agencies, just talk with them, meet with them, ask all the things that we've covered today, you know, how they handle certain situations. If you had a problem, who would you talk to? How would they deal with it? Have they been surrogates before? Because a lot haven't. And I love that, by the way. And they're I, not going to know. Amazing that you yeah, do that. it's important that you can really, when you give them advice, you know that's how it is, and that you've been there, mm-hmm. and you, you know, people are more compassionate when they've been in your shoes, especially in this sensitive situation, and just make sure you're comfortable. And you know, if your husband has questions or your partner, you know, just make sure eyes open and that it, you you will instinctively feel that it's the right fit for you. I would even say go to a couple support group meetings. Mm. Before, you know. Oh, that's a, that's a really good point because we allow girls to talk to surrogate mothers um, before you know, they commit. Before they commit, mm-hmm. absolutely. So make sure, you know, anything that you can think of to ask, they should be willing to provide you with mm-hmm. people to talk to, people that have delivered or people that are pregnant. 
Well, Cora, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank this you is for very insightful. Me. I, I've learned so much. We'll continue this conversation on our Facebook page and through Twitter using the hashtag NewMommyMedia. So feel free to join us. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, before we wrap things up today, we do have a message from one of our listeners that I wanted to share with you all. This comes from Megan of Laredo, Texas. And Megan says, thanks so much for the episode about gender prediction. I have to admit, I'm one of those pregnant moms who has tried every wives' tale out there when it comes to trying to predict your baby's gender. So it was really nice to hear from a sonographer about what they're actually looking for in an ultrasound to determine gender. Can't wait to find out what we're having two more weeks till our appointment. Thanks again. And Megan, thank you so much for sending that message. We certainly wish you the best with your pregnancy and whatever you're hoping for, boy, girl, we hope you get exactly what you want. If you have a comment for our show, please call our Preggy Pals hotline. That number is 619-866-4775. And we will include your message in an upcoming episode. That wraps up our show for today. If you have a question about surrogacy that we did not discuss, feel free to call our Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775, and we will answer your question in a future episode. We also welcome your comments, feedback, and suggestions for our show. Call the hotline or send us an email through our website, and we would love to hear from you. Coming up next week, we're continuing our ongoing series on childbirth preparation methods. Next week, we're learning all about Lamaze. Thanks for listening to Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.